Hey friends, I'm Anissa Hill and welcome to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. Here we tell the stories of people who have done just that, Move to Costa Rica. In episode 10, we sit down with Sarah Elena, a 28-year-old born in Russia and raised in Virginia, USA. Sarah talks about arriving in Costa Rica completely unprepared, why she feels generally itchy and her journey as a single mum. If you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Move to Costa Rica podcast. Before we dive in, remember to subscribe for new episodes released every Thursday. Head to www.movetocostaricapodcast.com. This podcast was recorded in the office of Atlas Trust and Escrow in Playas del Coco, Costa Rica. Without any further delay, here is your host, Malcolm Hill. Welcome to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. My name is Malcolm and I'm going to be your host today. Uh, With me, I have Sarah Elena. And Sarah says that she likes riding her horse to go and do the groceries. Now, that is something really unique for anyone to do, Sarah. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, sure. Where did you find that, first of all? But yes, that is true. Um, We actually, I had to do that multiple times. So when this pandemic started, we moved up the mountain and I have, well, I have my four horses. So something happened with my car. So I was literally... Would I strapped sacks onto the horse saddles and rode about 30 minutes to the grocery store and did like a full grocery run and brought it back. <laughs> that's so cool. That, that, it's just, it's so unique. It's so unique, especially, uh, I mean, even here, it's not that common. So that's, that's brilliant. No. <laughs> well, Sarah, today we're going to get into a lot of your story. Uh, you, you've been in Costa Rica for five years, uh, but originally born in Russia. So uh, like when you first reached out and you mentioned that you enjoyed the podcast, one thing that stood out to me was uh, that, yeah, you were born in Russia, but you speak perfect English. So can you tell us how that happened? Sure. So I was born in Russia, but I was adopted. So when I was 15 months, I was adopted and by an American family. And that's how I ended up in Virginia. And I grew up there it's a, the adoption story is a nice, awesome, long one as well. But so I actually did find my family in Russia and I was able to go back and see them twice. And when things open up again, I'm looking forward to another visit over there too. I ha- I know some friends who they have a 12 year old daughter uh, who they adopted and they adopted her when she was very young. And when she was about seven or eight, they started having discussions uh, about her birth parents. How, how did that come about for you? Well, I'm really curious. Well, so, I mean, for me, it was just something that I always knew. So my parents always explained it to me as well as I could understand it from, I guess, whatever age. So I never had that moment of like, oh my God, like I'm adopted. What? So I never had that like, oh my goodness moment. They really just used the right vocabulary and would always explain things, you know, when you came, when we went to get you. So I never had a big surprising moment. And it was just something that I always knew growing up. But as I got older, I got more curious. And I'm one of those people, I'm, I need to find out the information. So that's what I did. <laughs> and and the family that you were adopted into, like your parents, uh, do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, and and yeah, talk about, talk about growing up in Virginia. 
Sure. So yeah, so I have an older brother. He's four years older than me. He's my um, adoptive parents, their biological child. So yeah, I mean, my family is pretty normal. Um, really nice people. Virginia, we grew up outside of Washington, D.C. Um, now it's just that area is just Northern Virginia is filled with traffic and craziness. But I went to college two hours southwest of there at James Madison University, and that's in Harrisonburg. So that's when I realized how much I love more like farms, rural areas. Um, before I went to college, I was like, oh, there's going to be nothing to do out there. Like, <laughs> but once I moved out there, I was like, man, this is great. So I definitely realized that I prefer a more rural setting. I always enjoyed riding horses. So um, that's just, it's a good fit. So even being in Costa Rica, I've always usually gravitated more towards a rural small town setting as well. When you were growing up, was there a particular person who got you involved in the equestrian community? Um, well, actually I just found out, well, I found out that my dad had a horse when he was younger. So I just remembered when I was in elementary school and said, I want to ride horses too. So they put me in horseback riding lessons. Um, I never did any, uh, special showing, jumping, any of that fancy stuff. So I really just enjoyed that connection with the animal and, um, and being able, you know, it's just pretty incredible if you get out and can really spend that time with the horse and understand them and, and just be out there in nature with them. So that's the part that I always enjoyed the most. And I can imagine coming here to Costa Rica, I mean, there's horses everywhere here and it's just so much part of people's day-to-day life that you probably (laughs) saw that in the culture and you were like, I love this place already just because of the horses. (laughs) Yep. Well, yeah, the opportunity, I got the opportunity to, I don't even know how that happened. That's what happens with all my animals. I'm like, oh, I don't know how I got, I don't know how this happened. So I have four of them now. I don't know how that all happened, but... (laughs) Uh, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking a bit more about the horses a little later on. Uh, I, I am curious to find out, I guess, w- w- what did you do at college? I was a social worker. So something that's completely different than what I'm doing now, but I always knew I wanted to help people and I was going to do international business. And then I switched to social work. And I remember, you know, people were like, you're not going to make any money in that. And I was like, probably not, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. So I switched to that and that's what I did before I moved here. And I just, I like the connecting with people and being able to be helpful. I think that's the part that I liked in that field the most. And, and were you doing social work in the Virginia area? Yep. So I stayed in the town where I graduated from and got a job there and I was working with kind of at risk youth in a workforce development program. So getting them prepared to, for interviews and things like that. But it was kind of difficult, you know, you kind of working with your hands tied behind your back in some certain situations, but I know I was able to do some good. So I'm happy about that. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about how Costa Rica came on the map for you as a place of interest. Well, (laughs) um, so I had, I guess I was kind of in my self-development stage. This was after college you know, working a normal job, was going to the gym, reading Eckhart Tolle and, you know, (laughs) doing what young adults do who are trying to work on themselves. And, uh, through that to one of my very good friends, his sister and her husband had a retreat center down here in Costa Rica. And so I was in pretty close contact with them and met them multiple times. And again, I was very good friends with this, their, their brother. And I asked them, can I just like, come down here there and help you guys out. And they were like, sure, that's fine. I was like, okay. (laughs) I mean, I knew that I wanted to leave the United States, um, you know, just 
I've, I worked plenty and I just knew that I could see my entire life right in front of my eyes. You know, okay, how, maybe old were you, how old were you then? Like in mid twenties, you said, no. So I was 23 when I moved 23. So I was wow. 22 when I thought about it, I knew I just saw my whole life in front of my eyes was like, okay, maybe I'll get a promotion. Maybe I'll switch jobs. And, and I was like, no, I don't, I'm not doing this. So I was like, I want to move to another country. You know, at the time I was 22, I was like, I'm going to want to get out and explore. And so Costa Rica just, I was like, well, I like the beach. I didn't really know anything about the country at all. That's why I kind of <laughs> help people get prepared. Cause I did everything the way that you probably were not supposed to do it. Um, I was like, well, the beach sounds good to me. Like, you know, I just Googled pictures of Costa Rica. I had no idea about anything. I was like, sounds good to me. You know, the flight distance wasn't that far from Virginia. I looked into Australia, but was like, well, that's too far. And just was like, it is too far. It's a long way. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, well, at least they speak English, but it's a foreign country. But that's, that's kind of what I was like. All right, well, let's just do Costa Rica. Sounds good to me. Let's go for it. So I, I told myself 12 to 18 months, but I was gone within seven months. So this all stemmed from the first trip to that first retreat. No, I'd never even been to Costa Rica. <laughs> and you were just like, I'm going to move there because that looks like uh, an epic place to do live. Yep. I had no idea. I'd never been anywhere south, more south from Florida. Sarah, that's pretty gangster. I got to say, like, that's, that's pretty confident. And d- was this just you on your path or did you have someone with you who was like, let's go do this together? Well, the same through the same people. I'd met this girl. Her name is Asya. We're still friends. And so it's been kind of fun to see how our journeys have shifted here, but we ended up taking the same flight, came on the same day. Um, we're probably together for a few weeks and then split up, <laughs> but we're, we're still good friends. And, and she still lives here in Costa Rica. I don't, I don't think she's in Costa Rica right now. She goes back and forth a lot, but she's, she was always more of a mountain dweller, a mountain person. And I was always down by the beach. So we didn't really see, we don't really see each other that often. So tell us about when you arrived. There's only two international airports here where people can fly into, which is San Jose and Liberia, and each of them have, you know, their uniquenesses. Where did you end up? Well, I came to San Jose, and they had lost, or someone had taken accidentally one of my pieces of luggage. Okay. So I, I only came with one piece, and I'd realized, I had a feeling someone had accidentally taken it because I saw one that, you know, looked a lot like mine, just spinning around by itself on the, on the, you know, the, the thing. And <laughs> the I was like, well, that's mine. Yep. I'm like, well, I think someone took it. So, you know, I gave the airport my information, but I'd taken so long to leave because I was looking for that luggage. My friend, she had arrived before me. We had no cell service. There was no Wi-Fi. So she, she's out running around the parking lots, like showing my photo. Have you seen this girl? Have you seen this girl? So finally I did find her. We get into some rental car that was not the one from an agency. This was someone's private vehicle that like basically shipped, like shook back and forth as we went down the road. <laughs> and we were going towards, towards the Uvita area. So we we're going towards the South Pacific. And I remember the first beach that we stopped up was, you know, North of Paco. It's that first time where you can actually see the ocean. And I, yep. I got a video of that somewhere. We got gotten out. We were jumping up and down and, you know, touching the ocean and, Got to the retreat center, which was another adventure, because by then it was dark. We're going up dark roads, up a mountain road. It was it was a crazy adventure the first day. So so you made it to Avita, and let's give the listeners a little bit of a – I have personally not been to Avita, but I've seen lots of photos. But if you can share with the listeners what Avita is like, because it's aesthetically a beautiful place. 
Yeah. So the South Pacific is absolutely gorgeous. So we had actually ended up north of Evita in the hills of Portalone. So that's just about 15 minutes north of Dominical. And we were like straight in the jungle. I bet I also have photos of I'm just like in one of those little sweatshirts with like everything, <laughs> you know, just because we were just getting eaten up by mosquitoes. Um, but had a really beautiful ocean view. We were basically there for two weeks because we were pretty much realized we were becoming nannies for this couple's kids. And we were like, nope. <laughs> so at one point we had literally rolled our suitcases down this mountain, which was like a 30 minute walk. It started pouring rain <laughs> and Dominical was the closest town. So I pretty much ended up there for, I've moved a lot. So, I mean, this is going to be a long story. I've, I've, I've been, but mostly in the Southern zone. Often travelers fall in love with Costa Rica, like, immediately and they want to live here permanently um anisa and i my wife like we probably took one or two years until we were like you know this is this is where we're going to put our roots down and we've been here almost four years now uh how long did it take you to decide like i'm not going back to the u.s well i don't think i really had to make that decision i don't think i was ever considering going back um, so I did settle in the South Pacific. It's gorgeous, nice community, good people, um, you know, fairly okay to get around, lots of adventure. Um, but I never, I was like, I told everybody I moved. Like I quit my job. I got rid of my apartment. I told everyone I moved. So I definitely had my freak out moments. Like it was very brave, but I had my moments of like, holy crap. I probably cried a lot the first like few months. Cause I was just like, what's going on? Like, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> like it was, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster especially when you didn't come here prepared, you didn't do any research. <laughs> what about language? Lot. Did you have any Spanish base? No, I mean, I took Spanish classes in high school, but you know that I'd forgotten all of it. Um, I knew Ola, you know, I could say Ola, but now I, I'm completely fluent now, which is good. So, but that took time and effort and, uh, but yeah, it was quite the adjustment. I can imagine like with just coming with no, no expectations, but no preconceived ideas either is, uh, yeah. Costa Rica is just ready to show you reality. <laughs> ready to chew you up. I mean, man, this country, it chewed me up, but it did not spit me out. So I, I see Costa Rica chew some people up and it spits them right back out or you get chewed up and you're like, all right, I made it. <laughs> It's, it's so true. It's, uh, there's, there can just be things here that if you come from a Western country or an anglicized country where things just work, like most of the time, uh, it's pretty, yeah, I definitely see people struggling to adjust to that here. And sometimes I see my wife saying, but we just got that fixed or, or something like that. If we're talking about something in the house and it's like, yeah, but you just have to realize here that when you get something fixed, it doesn't mean it's fixed forever. Yeah. Like, it's, it, there's a lot of things like that. Did you get a job? Well, um, I, out of necessity, I was like, well, I, how am I going to make money, you know? <laughs> of course. Um, didn't really think that one through before coming either. Like I'm saying, I did it all wrong. I mean, not there's no right or wrong way to do it, but I basically made it the most difficult process on myself that I probably could have made it. Um, so of course I'm like, you know, moved to Dominical. I'm like living, living in this hostel for like, you know, this room for like $200 a month, September. So it's rainy season. I was like, well, crap, I got to work. What am I going to do? Like, it makes, I mean, I had some savings. I had about 5,000 in savings when I moved. I was like, all right, I got to do something, but I'm one of those people. I'll move my, I'll, I'll figure it out to be in Costa Rica. As you probably know, you have to be very creative. You have to be pretty innovative. You got to be flexible, adaptable, and kind of sharp. 
And so I started teaching English online for a few, for a few months for my computer. Um, I like, you know, I'd be like 4am in the hostel office with like a headset that didn't actually work, but I was really just using the, you know, put on like a normal person's shirt. It's like four in the morning and I'm like teaching English to Chinese people, but that was a good experience. Um, and then I did work for an adventure therapy company for about uh, maybe six months. And that was really cool. So adventure therapy. Yeah. They did adventure therapy for 18 to 25 year olds. So people maybe with like depression or just different anxiety, things like that. So we're pretty much out in the jungle, sleeping on the sleeping on a sleeping mat for about six months in the middle and felt like the middle of nowhere. And I was like one of their guides. Um, so then after six months, I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. So six months though, in the rainforest, taking people in and out. And this is like the rainforest here kicks your ass. It, oh yeah. It, you, it's, it's just infested with the mosquitoes and things prick you and there's animals and it's, it's intense. So how did you last six months? I don't know. I mean, it it still had, it's like, you know, it wasn't like, yeah. I mean, we went on like a week long hike. Um, that I really disliked because we were basically hiking to no destination. We're just walking up hills for the sake of walking up hills. Um, it was, it was not easy. And I I always say, tell people, they're like, how do you feel in Costa Rica? I'm like, probably generally itchy in in general. (laughs) Sometimes it's not too bad, but I think my threshold has like risen. So maybe I'm itchy now, but I don't realize it anymore. Um, so I think after a while, your body just needs to acclimate and, um, it can Sometimes be I wonder if I'm going to get sick from putting so much like mosquito repellent on because I put it on every single day when I wake up during the wet season and wow. you just, you just, I, I don't know, maybe that's bad. Is that bad, Sarah? I don't know. I haven't needed it every day. So, I mean, I've been lucky. Maybe most places that I've lived haven't bothered me. Um, Or again, maybe I just don't feel it anymore. (laughs) I've become numb to it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well done. Well done. I still definitely feel the mosquito bites. And you said that you have moved to a lot of different places in Costa Rica. Uh Tell us, I guess, some of the highlights of some of the different places you've lived and and what were some of the the best and worst, worst parts of them? Sure. So, well, I kind of was in Dominical for a bit and I've, I returned there after years later. It was hot. <laughs> Dominical is hot, but it's an awesome little town, good community, you know, completely walkable. Uh, that was a, it was a good place and I love going back there. Um, after, the, after being out in the middle of nowhere, I was up more towards Tinamastes in the Diamante Valley. So after that, I was, I was like, I just need to see some people and some action. So I moved to Manuel Antonio which is like total polar opposite, a very busy area. Um, but very that was touristic, really right? Very touristy. And, uh, and then that's when I got pregnant. So then I lived in Manuel Antonio. I mean, yeah, Manuel Antonio is very busy, very touristy. Um, I tend to like the community better down South. It's just a better fit for me. You know, it's yeah. just going to depend what's a good fit for you. But I did move up actually up towards Aredia to have my daughter. And then after that, I moved to Dominicalito and then Platanillo, which is, you know, a little bit cooler up in the mountains. And then, oh, back to Dominical and then Uvita and up the mountains from Uvita, which that was cool. Mount, being up in the mountains is awesome and very magical. And then from the mountains, I moved uh, over here to Playa Hermosa near Jaco. And this is all within the last five years. Yes. 
Yeah. And there's been a lot of houses probably within each of those locations as well. I'm just blown away at how much you've moved in five years. It's incredible. It's like a, it's a lot of moving. Your daughter, Senia, she was born here in Costa Rica. Why did you decide to give birth here in Costa Rica and raise, I mean, you knew you were going to live here, but uh, you had the option to perhaps go back to the US. Why did you choose to stay here? Well, I had considered going back to the United States. So I was in, um, you know, Manuel Antonio, Capos area at that time. There, I think part of my first instinct was like, oh my God, I need to go back to the United States. Um, at the time I was with their dad, you know, I was like, you know, need to go live a normal life. I need to go get a normal job. And cause I've been working as a virtual assistant. So I'd started working online over those months, even before my pregnancy. Um, so I was like, okay, I gotta, we gotta go back and, and live a normal life. But, uh, I don't know, as time went on, I just was like, no, nope, I'm just going to stay. I'd rather have the baby here. And this was during the whole Zika stuff too. So of course everyone's freaking out and you know, you're pregnant, you're in Costa Rica, there's Zika. I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. Like it's all good. So, and it was, um, <laughs> And no, I, I remember stayed. people saying the same thing to us. My wife got pregnant during Zika as well. And uh, like 2017 or 18. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, everyone was very uptight about that. Yes. So I guess the reason I stayed in Costa Rica, uh, I don't know. I didn't want to go back and start over in the United States again. Something in me was like, don't put yourself back in that system because I felt like if I went back there, I'd never get back out. Like I already got back out. I'm here. Like, we're going to figure out a way to make this work here. And so I just didn't want to go back in that system because that's the reason why I left. So why would I go put myself back into it? (laughs) How does a foreign lady have a baby in Costa Rica? As in medical (laughs) assistance? Well, there's a few different options. You know, you can go through the public system. If you're pregnant in Costa Rica, all of your medical care through the public system is free. So, you know, maybe you already knew that. However, um, you know, you're going to be at the hospital. You're going to be confused, especially if you don't speak the language. You're going to be waiting a long time just to get a simple test done. And as a pregnant person, you just, that's just not something that sounds very fun. So I did my prenatal stuff for the most part through the hospital. I think I went to, you know, you can also just get a book a gynecologist appointment. It's more affordable here. I think it was $80, you know, for me just to book a private appointment. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Everything's looking good. All right, cool. You know? And then um, we moved up to San Jose area in Heredia because uh, I wanted to give birth at Clinica Biblica. So there's private hospital options that are super affordable, um, you know, maybe 2000, I think it came up to like 2,500 and I had a C-section. So, and it was a great hospital, you know, just like what you would expect through American standards, you know, North American standards. And that's what I ended up doing. And then I moved out three weeks later. I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Got to get me out of this city. <laughs> And, and yeah, you took Senior and went straight to the coast again, right? I did. We went straight to Dominicalito. We were in this teeny little, basically like a room, but I had a little ocean view. Didn't have a car at that time, you know, but my rent was two fifty. I only took a month off work. So I started working a month later. I was a single parent at that point. And uh, when she was three weeks old, that's when I went off on my own with her and started the single parenting journey and working and juggling all of that. And so it was, and still figuring out how Costa Rica works. <laughs> Which never stops. You continually yeah. are figuring out how Costa Rica works. Yep. <laughs> All parents know that raising children, like it's it's a lot of work. It requires like an insane amount of energy. Uh, your Instagram has some really cool posts about your journey as a mum. My wife and I, Anissa and I were reading some of them today. But 
Would you like to share a little bit about your journey as a single mum, a single foreign mum in Costa Rica? Sure. Um, well, for the good things, Costa Rica has been a really fun place to have a kid. So when you're pregnant, you're basically like a celebrity here. I don't know if your wife went through that. They oh, love- she's definitely, definitely like a celeb when she's pregnant for sure. Yeah. So they love pregnant people. They just, and then they love babies. So it's a very supportive country to have a child. You know, people don't look at you dirty when if you're, if you're in the, if you're in the line and you know, it's somewhere and your baby's crying or if you're breastfeeding, it's, you know, it's, it's just so open here and they really have, they're so family oriented. So that's been really fun. But I can also say that I went through some really difficult times of totally feeling alone and being up in the middle of the night, you know, breastfeeding multiple times a night alone, you know, and not having family here was difficult. And I definitely went, you know, parenting's difficult. I think I have amnesia. I don't think I'll do it again. But, you know, someone's like, is it doable? I'm like, yeah, it's totally doable. You could do it on your own. No issue. But I think I've totally, like, forgotten what I've gone through. <laughs> um, those first, you know, is hard. But I can say being in a good community, you know, I had good friends. I had good community support of just being able to go out and have a coffee with a friend. And just, I don't know, having a sense of community really helped. But it's, you know, parenting's difficult. Single parenting is difficult. It still is. Um, but, but I can say I would rather do it here because I can afford my time off. I can afford a a little nice school for my daughter. Um, like we can have a way better quality life here. I'm not working 40 bajillion hours a week in an office, not being able to see my child, you know, her quality life is better. Mine is better. So for me being here as a single parent has been excellent. Like, I mean, I have time for myself. I've had time for friends. I have time for work. I have time for my daughter. it's been really incredible, way better. <laughs> what you say about the community being involved in the upbringing of your child and just like the love they have for pregnant women and little kids in general, for my wife and Issa and I, like we feel that so much. And it, it didn't take us long as parents to realise like you're not the only ones who bring up your kid. They're brought up by everything around them and all the, all the community around them and the culture around them, all of that has like a deep, heavy effect on them. And, uh, yeah, this is a pretty good one here for them to be exposed to, in my opinion. Absolutely. When I lived in Dominical, there was basically like four cabinas that were very, you know, side by side. And there was like, so I was in one and I had three girlfriends in the other ones and another one close by. So I was basically getting working, hanging out with my girlfriends. If I needed to do like, they all wanted to play with her. So it was, it was a really, you know, or one of my friends never slept. So, you know, if my child was up at like three 30 in the morning crying and I got her back to bed, I'd get this message from her being like, you good? <laughs> like, and then I just like pop outside. I'm like, what are you doing awake? You know? So it was nice. It's like, I still got to be me and be in my twenties and, and feel like I'm still myself, but also raising a daughter and having that around me was awesome. It's, it's really admirable, Sarah, and you should be really proud of yourself because, uh, parenting um, as a dad with my partner, with the two of us is extremely challenging. So doing it on your own, well done. Thanks. It's awesome. You are really passionate about educating people on moving to Costa Rica and relocating to Costa Rica. In your experience, uh, since you have been helping people relocate here, what are some of the biggest pitfalls you see people falling into when they are just first thinking up moving to Costa Rica? Sure. Um, maybe just what I've observed 
and maybe in myself and others um, while doing this? Well, number one, I think people have a hard time because maybe Costa Rica wasn't a good place for them to begin with. They really need to evaluate if, if this country is a good fit for them. It's not just the photos that you're going to see on Google. <laughs> um, really, like, get out there, look at what real-life experiences people are having, listen to their challenges, as well as some things that they like about the country as well. Also, you know, this is also why I created my business, was because some people just don't have the right support to assist them afterwards. Maybe they had a real estate agent or somebody talk them into moving here, but then after, they were like, okay, well, what do I do? How do I do everything? Um, yeah. In terms of some... Pitfalls that I see, I see some people get here, maybe who want to buy property or invest in things and they get really excited and they start making very quick decisions. They start thinking that, you know, I'm going to say it, they start thinking everybody's nice and everybody's and no one's here to scam them, but that can happen, (laughs) you know? So it is is a beautiful There are beautiful people here. There's lots of great people, but there's also some people that, that you need to watch out for. And I think that it's important that people know that. So they just take your time, ask for opinions, ask for recommendations, talk to lawyers, but especially when you're making big decisions, don't just uh, jump headfirst into big decisions while you're here in the country without some kind of expert advice or guidance. So that's what I think will save people from a lot of the pitfalls that have happened. Growing up in the United States system and the way that I grew up, I guess I thought that things had to be done a certain way. You know, again, like being in that, okay, I need to get, you know, get this degree and then get this job and then get this promotion and then build up my 401k. I'm not saying a pension is not important. Um, but I think being down here in Costa Rica, it has shown me that there, you can be more creative. You can make it's, and also having a kid, you know, gets you laser focused. Um, you can build opportunity for yourself. You know, I wanted to come down here for excitement and exploration, and I definitely did that for years, but now I'm definitely at a point where I am kind of more of a typical boring person who works a lot of the day and <laughs> and enjoy, you know, relaxes during the weekend or sometimes works a bit during the weekend. But I guess it's okay. I don't know. It's weird. So I kind of, not the same routine, but I found my own way to come be here, but also like work towards something, you know, whether it's personal growth you know, career growth. So maybe it's just showing me, okay, I can have it all. I don't have to sacrifice a bunch of things. You know, I can actually build, construct something little by little that feels good. And that works for what I want in my life. That's so well said, Sarah. And I totally agree with you. Costa Rica is almost like a blank canvas for any professional who's looking to set themselves up here because We've got good Wi-Fi, relatively good Wi-Fi, depending on where you are, like relatively good connectivity to the rest of the world. We're in a similar time zone to the US. And, yeah, if you want to work each day, and most people can work from their laptops, or a lot of people can work from their laptops these days, yeah, it's a, you can really set up a structure, that a daily structure that kind of fits with all the things you want your life to focus on, like spending Definitely. time with family and going to the beach and probably riding your horses and, and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. Do you think there will be somewhere in Costa Rica that you will settle permanently? Yeah, I think when I want to permanently settle, I'll go back to the South Pacific. I've always probably more towards Uvita again. I just love it down there. I like the community. I like the nature. I like the, how the mountains line the coast, you know, I could get a property that's just kind of, I haven't invested in anything in here either. Cause again, you're right. There's no rush, you know, to come and 
the cost of living is low enough, at least, you know, if you budget properly that you, you don't need to rush into anything. So that'll be my area. I think so. I think I say that, but who knows? <laughs> nice. Now, Sanya, growing up here, what are some of the things that you're seeing through her eyes that stick out to you as things you're really happy she has, you know? Well, I'm happy that I get to spend time with her. But again, I'm not that, you know, as a parent, I do get to spend more time with her and I'm not just stuck in the nine to five system where, you know, so I think that's one positive thing. Um, you know, and I'll just the interaction she gets to have with nature, you know, going for a walk, seeing different animals. I think she, I don't think she lives too sheltered of a lifestyle. Like I think she's, she's super sharp and smart. Um, you know, she's, you know, we've been around lots of farms. So it's like, she's just, she's just learned so much too, you know, she just has a different understanding of life. I think like she'll, I don't know if I should say this, but you know, she'll understand if, if an animal died, she'll be like, Oh, okay. It's dead. Okay. Like she understands, I don't know. Like she understands life. Like she can see the cycle and the process. And, and I think it's, it's interesting. It's true. The, being surrounded by nature, like she is, you can't help but pick up the realities of nature. And mm-hmm. I used to live in a city and you used to live in a city. And since living here, it sounds really corny to say that I'm more connected with nature. I shouldn't say it that way, but I actually sit outside on my deck and I pay attention to the birds and the monkeys and the way the seasons change and the winds and that stuff I just never paid attention to when I lived in Australia. Yeah. And even like, uh, just like also planning your day around the weather, like you do get more connected. You're like, Oh, it's probably going to rain this afternoon. Like I can see, like, I should probably go home soon, you know, like, <laughs> or like, well, I guess you could do that anywhere, but you know, we do have different kind of, weather things that happen we so don't you, watch the news to get our weather report you know no, and here, the weather here, reports always wrong <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's so true your family back in the u.s how do you communicate with them usually through whatsapp or facebook so yeah i they, mean have they come down and visit visited Definitely. So, yep. My dad came for a visit when I was pregnant and then they came down when my daughter was born and they usually come down every year. And then I go back twice a year. So it's been a pretty good balance. So even when you think about it, I would usually go back for three weeks to a month, sometimes even more than a month each time. It's like, imagine if I lived hours away from them still in the United States, let's say hours away from them in Virginia, probably going to see them more that I live in. Well, despite pandemic, I see them more if I go back for three weeks to a month, twice a year, and then they come for like two weeks, you know, you actually get the quality time. The trip is just for the purpose of visiting. So, um, I try to make, you know, I make those trips back and they try to come here once a year. Yeah. I totally feel the same with when, uh, with visiting family, when you live a long way away, because when you're back, you're back to be with them. And it's mm-hmm. like complete quality time. That's not distracted by like anything else. And I, I would agree with you. Sometimes it almost feels like more quality time and, I find when I'm FaceTiming or what's happening with my family, they're focused. <laughs> they're actually mm-hmm. focused on like talking to me because they've got a digital device in front of them. And sometimes face to face, that interest can be lost a bit quicker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we are going to wrap up in, in a sec, but I'm keen to hear, I guess, some of the things that you're able to help people with uh, who are looking to relocate to Costa Rica. What, what can they contact you for? Um, to get help with. Sure. 
Um, well, so, I mean, I pretty much help in all aspects of the move. And my goal is to make things as smooth and as simple with, you know, as simple as possible. So I do a lot of handholding, you know, some people need a little bit more handholding than others, but that's okay. Cause that's what I'm there for. Yeah. Um, usually I will do, well, I have an e-course that's only just for my clients that do the relocation package. And so that I call it the everything you need to know to move to Costa Rica e-course. So it has like all those weird, okay, how do I do banking? How do I bring my pets? You know, all those common questions, healthcare, real, you know, all the stuff in one format. Um, so, and then I do some in-depth phone meetings with them. So I talk to them about their lifestyle, um, you know, help them pick areas. Some people know where they want to be. Some people don't have any idea. So I really like to get to know them really well, get to know their lifestyle, ask them really important questions about, okay, what do you picture yourself doing here? Like doing every day, you know, what kind of community do you want to be in? Um, you know, those kinds of things. And then that can help me make some recommendations for them. And, you know, I'll do budgeting. So once we narrow down areas, we'll look at, okay, how much is it actually going to cost you to live in Costa Rica? Cause I'm sure you've gotten this question. How much, how much can I live in Costa Rica for? It's such a loaded question because it depends on so many factors. So I go through that with them. Um, packing, you know, what should they bring? What are some weird things that they should bring that they probably never thought of? What are some things they should just leave home? Um, and, um, and then when they arrive, I'll actually meet them at the airport and bring them to where they are, give them an introduction to where they're going to be living. And then I'm there for ongoing support. So, you know, it kind of covers those things I talked to earlier that most people who want to move to Costa Rica, there's a big statistic that return home number one, because they either, this wasn't the right place for them. So with our work together, we can really, first of all, figure out if this is a good decision for them and if they're going to be moving to the right areas, or at least that really fit what they're looking for. Um, And then also the, they, if they don't have that support after they arrive, that's when people struggle. So I provide that ongoing personal support. So I'm after they've gotten settled and they got their rose colored glasses on and they're making big decisions. They're like, all right, let me get this car. Okay. I would have got to purchase a property. And then, you know, you know, they can bounce things off of, um, you know, they always have someone who they can ask whatever questions to actually yesterday. I just took one of my clients was sick. He's here in Hako. He's, he moved here and he, I don't know, he was just feeling awful, like stomach stuff. So I actually went and picked him up and brought him to the pharmacy and I made sure he got him all set up, got him some food. So if, if a person's near me, I'll actually be there in person, but I actually care about the people that I work with. And I want, I don't want them to feel like they're, they're here and they're like, holy crap. Okay. What do we do? And especially with those big decisions that we talked about, that's where people can start to run into some issues, especially financially, if they're going into something too fast or they don't have the right guidance. You know, if I don't know the answers and I will make sure that they're hooked up with the right guidance, you know, for certain decisions that they're going to be making. So that's pretty much what I do. I just like to make it set people up for success while they're here. And then really these people become my friends. So it's nice. I get to make a lot of really great contacts and it's fun to welcome them here and, you know, have our last call before their arrival, make sure we got all their, especially now it's like, okay, you got your COVID test. Okay. You got this done. You got this done. So really making sure that they have everything in order and it goes smoothly for them. I love getting your emails that give the updates about what the new requirements are and, and what's changing in the world of being able to travel to Costa Rica. So keep that stuff up. It's great. Definitely. (laughs) Sarah, that's such an awesome service as well. I wish my wife and I had a service like that when we arrived, but we didn't. And, yeah, we rented the wrong place and we purchased the wrong car and we <laughs> lived in the wrong community. And, uh, yeah, we can definitely relate to <laughs> to those things. So 
yeah, that, that's great. Where online can people find you, Sarah? Sure. So, you know, for people who don't want to pay for a service, that's fine. I have a YouTube channel, which has a lot of free information out there. So even if someone wants to go to that YouTube channel, I have just, I don't even know, a ridiculous amount of information on Costa Rica on there. And I'm pretty, I produce at least, you know, one live. I usually go live once a week. Um, and then I'll do, you know, another video once a week. So the YouTube channel is loaded with free information that may help someone even determine if it's going to be a right decision for them. And then if they end up needing assistance, um, they can get to me through my website, which is lasarahelena.com. It's like La Sarah Elena. <laughs> I don't know why I chose that. <laughs> it sound, chose that it actually does sound very like elegant professional. So good, good, good choice of branding, Sarah. And, um, and then I have a Facebook group. So it's called, it's literally just called moving to Costa Rica. So you know, I'm in the group. Um, you know, I do answer questions, but it's like a nice group of people that are moving, but I'm also, I also really look at every person who enters it to make sure that we're not getting people who are in there who are trying to take advantage of people who are moving down and yeah. might want to be making financial decisions. So that would be the best, you know, my email, Sarah at lawsarahlena.com. And through my website, people can really easily book a call. They can find the link to the YouTube channel. Um, they can find any other free resources that are on there as well. Your website is extremely user friendly, I must say. Thank you. So that's we did it not long ago. <laughs> good work. So, Sarah, uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we wrap up? Yeah, well, I could share something else. Um, I would just say, you know, like this is if you're going to be moving. you're going to go through just such a wide range of emotions and just know that those are all okay. Like, you know, even if I talk about my story, it may look like I had it all together, but I totally didn't. Um, you know, it's, it's normal. You're going to go through a huge wide range of emotions and just know that that's okay. And also other people might think you're crazy and that's okay too. You know, just keep that commitment to designing the lifestyle that feels good to you because I know that's a lot of people. That's why they're moving. They want a lifestyle that feels good. And, you know, just, just stand by that and stick to it. And if you can stick to that and just keep following what feels good, then you're going to be fine. You know, I can tell you someone who's found a lifestyle and a rhythm that fits for you and works for you. And it's, it's really nice to hear that joy come out and everything you say. Uh, my wife and I very much feel that way as well. Living here in Costa Rica, we, yeah, we get to enjoy life in a way that perhaps we wouldn't in a, in a more faster-paced environment. So it's, Definitely. It's good. It's not, I wouldn't say it's the easy way out, but it's like, all right, if you really want it, you can, you can do it. You're going to have to put in the work to make it happen. You're going to have to get creative, but you're going to have to have a lot of faith and a lot of belief that you can do it. And with those things, you know, I think it's possible. Sarah, it's, it's been an awesome chat today. Really, really cool to get your perspective and, and, just the fact that you had so much confidence as a young girl to pull the plug and leave everything in you to come somewhere where you knew absolutely nothing and just make it work. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you look back and shiver at some of the moments you've probably had of complete fear and worry about like what you were going to do moving forward. But uh, it seems as though you've overcome so much of that stuff now and, and, and yeah, now you can help other people with all that experience. So it's, definitely it's awesome. I can say, all right, this wasn't my first rodeo. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> so, 
Here's a sneak peek of the next episode. In episode 11, we will hear from Brian Carness, a 42-year-old born in Los Angeles. Brian chats with us about the discipline of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, his passion for fishing, and how it feels to win back hours previously lost sitting on the 405. It got to a point where we felt like whatever you were trying to do at any given moment in Los Angeles, there were so many other people trying to do the exact same thing that it just like felt like combat, right? And it, and it was it would be most obvious like when you're driving on the 405 freeway at rush hour or something, right? It's every man for themselves at that point. Nobody cares about anybody. They're all protected by 3,000 pounds of metal, so they've got zero concern for anybody else in the If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate, review, and share it with your friends on social media. For a full list of show notes, episodes to your inbox, information on becoming a guest on the show, and how to support the show on Patreon, head to www.movetocostaricapodcast.com. Remember, new episodes are released every Thursday by 6am Costa Rica time. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, Pura Vida.